0: just wanted to pick up a little bit of just where we are in our worship really this morning and the watching and waiting uh, that and- Andrea sort of emphasized out of the song that we were singing and Steve's um, encouragement to us to maybe lift our hands and to have a posture that says we're, we're receiving uh, in some way. Um, some people don't do it. Um, Uh, It's just just a thing, isn't it? But it was just the word a posture. Um, I think our spiritual posture as a church is watching and waiting at the moment. And I believe God's going to bring revival within Beacon Church, not in a big dramatic way, but He's processing from a, a slow pass to an increasing momentum in the future. And we're watching and waiting. Since the turn of the year, um, there's been a, a growing expectancy in my spirit um, about the different things coming into place, and I think uh, I think that the whole church united together in, in giving towards the children's work. It was a key moment to doing that, and and uh, and the fund was called in itself Vision 22. You know, there's something deeper in this, something more in this than just collecting money. You know. Uh, we could go out on the streets and collect money. Um, but, you know, when God's people give into the work of God, there's something, there's something engaging. There's something, um, tectonic, the tectonic plate shift. And they've started a shift within our Beacon community. And I think one or two people would agree with me at that. Now, I'm not going to try and shoehorn that in to my sermon this morning, but, um, because that, that would be the wrong thing to do. But there is a, there is, there is a place... Uh, which is coming as we get to it Um, we're going to read another little account by Luke of uh, in the story of Jesus with his his own people not being receptive of him and now coming to the place where they're going to finally finally declare where they stand we want him out we want him out and um, unfortunately we live in a world where that's the spirit of the age we want him out But Christians want him in. And um, in our story, uh, this morning in Luke, um, it's a little story about a coin. And we're going to see both sides of the coin. And, um, but it doesn't strictly fit theologically to look both sides of the coin. So, but um, on Christmas Day, we had a a carol service there and I tossed a coin in the air, Uh, you know, to throw a coin in the air. That's what we do for chance. And Helen reminded me, well, it's 50-50 chance. But this is not the coin of chance here. It's a very special coin, not in the fact that it was a denarius, um, but Jesus used it. Jesus used it for spiritual and dynamic truth. And we will come to that as we read the story just a little bit later on. So um, if you've got a record of the scripture in front of you, um, we're going to read uh, just a few verses in chapter 20, verses 19 to 26, and then we're going to pinch four verses from Luke 21 um, and add it into uh, our thinking and message this morning. So Luke 20, it'll be Luke 21, 1 to 4, you'll see the connection, I'm sure, as we go through. Right, Luke 20:19 20, to 26, and it's sort of picking up where Steve was with the parable, and I'll just refresh us on that a little bit in a moment. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them. But they feared the people. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere that they might catch him in something he said so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. So they asked him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, or in the other version he says, he perceived their duplicity. I think it's a very nice word to put in there. Both sides of the coin, if you like. So he said, show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said, Caesar's. And he said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were not able in the presence of the people to catch him in what he said. But marvelling at his answer, they became silent. it wouldn't go away, did they? Luke 21 then, verses 1 to 4, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins and he said truly I tell you this poor widow this poor widow has put in more than all of them for they all contributed out of their abundance but she out of her poverty but in all she had to live on she put in all she had to live on the three things that we're focusing around this morning um, are one render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's render to God the things that are God's and the third thing is that she out of her poverty put in all he had. I think it's a very interesting statement, that which Jesus said. But it falls in the line with other people in the scripture, which I've mentioned before, people who didn't go unnoticed by Jesus. There was the woman who was hemorrhaging with blood. She wanted to touch his garment and go away quietly and not be, not be seen, but he noticed. There was Nathaniel hiding under the fig tree, doing something which Jesus commented upon. But he didn't go unnoticed by Jesus under the fig tree. And there's lots of people like that who Jesus, he just sort of plucks them out and say, look at this. This is, this is a special moment. This is a special moment. So let's just think about it. <clears throat> just want to track back to, Can I get it out of the way? Oh, well. Never mind, it won't come up, never mind. That's better, got it, technology. It's amazing when it works. But last week Steve sort of highlighted and told the story about uh, uh, the owner of a vineyard who... um, who let it out to tenants then he went away then he sent his servants to the vineyard to collect what was his due from the vineyard and uh, they beat them and sent them away and the story goes that last of all he sent his son and him they killed and they said now it belongs to us which is a very apt story which depicted clearly uh, the very nature of how Jesus was treated in that society amongst his own Jewish people at that time. And uh, as I read in that first, if you read in that first verse, um, they perceived that Jesus was speaking about them. You very often get that feeling when either a preacher is speaking and uh, you perceive that Jesus is speaking about you. I can think of that happening many, many times over the years. You feel God speaking right to you. And um, that didn't, you know, that happened, and that does happen. But it's a way of God touching us. Don't reject it. Don't feel guilty. I'm going to say some straight things this morning, as I usually do. But don't feel guilty about it. This is God moving us on, watching and waiting. He's moving Beacon on, and I believe God's pressing some buttons here and there, not to make us feel ashamed but to bless us and move us on as a community to help us see where the power is. The place of power God is forming in his church. We can be very active, um, and we can be dancing and raising our hands in the air, but sometimes you can be quite empty. In the end of it, our story comes this morning, is is, is really to do with Honour. And what Jesus is saying, in society where you people live, the things that have but bless your life, you need to honour that. You need to show you honour it in what you do and how you behave. Um, we live in a rebellious society, railing against the government, railing against employers, railing against those things which in the end really are a blessing so we need to live with honor in our civil surroundings but then the other thing is is that we need to as jesus said give back to god the things that are god when it's taxes we give them they belong to the civil management of our society. But when it's to God, it's giving back to him. And there is a difference in the Greek word that's used there, which I'm not going to explain about and talk about. But it's quite important to see the difference. Giving back to God. We are created by God to give back to him. So as we look at what does it mean to render unto Caesar the things that the Caesars... Throughout the New Testament, within the authority of the church, the church is encouraged to engage wisely in civil responsibilities and civil government, to give honor where it is due, not speaking by slight comment to dishonor another, and we need wisdom to do that. We need to be careful what we say, we need to be careful how we say it, and we need to honour. And the Bible is quite clear, it says, give honour where honour is due. That would be employers, it would be managers, people over us, it's the people we work with. We've, we've employed people before and very often they've phoned up at the last minute with a sickie. And you knew it wasn't a sickie. And you knew it wasn't. That's not honouring your fellow employers, employees. You're saying, well, they can do my work today. That's not honouring them. That's civil honouring. You honour others just because they're colleagues. You honour your employer because he's the one that pays your wages. And that's a consistent theme and teaching right throughout the New Testament that Christians should do that. Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar. So Caesar was expected to be honoured and even worshipped as a son of God. That was, that was the thinking, you know, he's, he's the guy, you do, you know, worship him. But that was blasphemy to the Jews, but only when it suited them. And sometimes we only do things that we need to do in honour when it suits us, not when it's costly. And sometimes there's a costly, costly aspect to honoring someone. Sometimes that's just saying thank you, just saying thank you. So the New Testament encourages us just to pray for those in rule and authority over us. To pray for our governments that we might live peaceably and honorably in this world. That was a command of God, giving unto Caesar the things that are Caesar. We owe our society prayer. Christians owe our society, our government, our employers, and our colleagues, we owe them prayer because the Bible says, pray for them. That's honoring. Taxes, fees, licences. I know this is so controversial. It was there. It was, you know, to the Jews paying this tax. <laughs> we can't do that. We can't pay to this godly, godless government. We can't do that. And yet they probably all had a denarius in their pocket. Because, you know, I'm speaking respectfully here. I think one of the things that God gave... Um, his people to choose was the, the ability to create wealth that was a gift I believe and it's still at work Now, some of the richest guys in this world are Jews because God gave them the gift it's all been abused, we know that but um, the fact is that they probably all had this coin in their pocket so back to taxes and I was just um, I was interested, you'll have your council tax coming shortly through the post won't you was it up five percent? Bill you knows straight away about Derek and his wallet. <laughs> was Bill his council tax here? Well, when I read what I get for the money I pay, do I complain or am I thankful to God? You pulled a chain, and away it goes. Not once upon a time. Well, I know for no, they had a blockage in the week, but um, and Derek had a blockage too. But that's beside the point. Um, but um, how much do we really value? My, my 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 rubbish gets taken away. I'm able to drive straight out of my drive onto the road and go anywhere I want into the world. And when we evaluate what we do have for what we pay, I think it's a pretty good deal. A pretty good deal. But even if you don't think it's a good deal, and sometimes it isn't, we still need to be thankful in what we do. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. So what does it mean today to give to God what belongs to him, giving back to God. I think the first thing, and it's come out in our worship this morning, is um, the first thing we owe God is our lives. Giving back to God our lives. To become a Christian is like giving our lives back to God. Because we think they're in our hands. We think we can do what we want with our lives. And indeed, God has given us a free will to choose. But in a sense, our lives belong to him and we give them back back to him. And we need to think seriously, have have I actually given my life back to God? That could be a demonstration of becoming a Christian. I've given my life back to God. And sometimes we give our lives back to him and then take them back again. But when we trusted in Jesus, we handed our lives over to him. We said, I want to follow you. So we give our lives to God. We've got nothing to bring but everything to take away. We don't bring anything to this transaction but everything to take away. We try to bring things, well, I've done this and I've done that and I've done the other and so surely I'll be all right in the end. But in a sense, giving our lives back to God is saying, actually, I've got nothing to bring. And you've got everything to give we sung it in our songs this morning, haven't we? You've done everything for me. You've paid the price. You've set me free. And because of that, I want to give my life back to you. The first things we give back to God are our lives. Some of the older guys, along with myself here, there was a... We nice must have a old blessed assurance this morning. That was really good. Um... In the song, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go, it says, I give thee back the life I owe. I give thee back the life I owe. So giving our lives back to God is the ultimate honour. The ultimate honour. So Jesus said, well, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but give to God the things that are his. And primarily, it's the honour of God has done everything for us. Through Jesus, we give our lives back to him. I think the next thing we realise we need to give back to God, under the banner of honour, is worship. A well-known American preacher named John Piper, in promoting the need and purpose of mission... That is reaching out to other people and telling them about Jesus, whether it's in our own country or countries abroad or wherever it is. The whole purpose of mission exists because worship doesn't. And that means that our world is devoid of honouring God through worship. So missions exist to find people that want to give back to God the worship that they owe him, that we owe him thankfulness. Some of those biblical verses that this preacher, John Piper, uh, declared in his his sermon was, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous works amongst the peoples. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. God sends Jesus on his mission in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. He does his mighty works in history that his name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Mission exists because worship doesn't. I think we see that happening. Then there's what I I would call the non-negotiables of worship. I think the first, I think there are more than three, but the three that stood out to me as I was preparing this morning, the first non-negotiable of worship is creation. Nearly every Old Testament prayer or consideration about God throughout all of the Old Testament and the New Testament identifies God as the creator of heavens and earth. And we live in a society which sort of ignores that or chooses not to believe it but chooses an alternative option. Evolution is one of them. And uh, whilst I'm not here to demonstrate or preach about any scientific uh, approaches to creation or evolution, I think the whole object is God was in control here. He ultimately created the first verse in the Bible, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And I think that's a non-negotiable in worship. Because you will notice, when Job in his suffering worshipped God, he saw the details of creation. And in that suffering, he worshipped God. It was like an anchor. It anchored him to God. And sometimes, if we deny creation, we sort of lose that sense of anchor. I've noticed people that doubt a lot, don't believe the non-negotiables of Scripture. So the non-negotiables are quite important to honour and praise God in creation. The Bible tells us we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we are created in the image of God. How wonderful is that? The next negotiable is the virgin birth of Jesus. These are sort of Bible uh, truths of scripture which have been seriously undermined. And why are they seriously undermined? Because they're the anchor points to the gospel. They're the anchor points to history. They're the anchor points to eternity. Creation, the virgin birth of Jesus. We read, the, the Holy Spirit came upon her. Joseph didn't come into her. The Holy Spirit came upon her. And in her, she bore the child, Jesus. Now, we, might not, we won't understand it. We're not supposed to understand it. It's one of the God mysteries which gives us an anchor point in our lives. As people, as Christians, the virgin birth. And the third one is almost seems a little disassociated with that, but when we become Christians, baptism is an negotiable Oh, well, do it this way, or oh, we try and do it another way, but in scripture, it's clearly defined. Baptism by immersion as my demonstration that I've now given my life back to God. It's non-negotiable. I mean, we've worked with children and young people all of our lives, and uh, people and children that weren't baptized actually found it difficult to quite continue as a Christian. It's that anchor point. It's that ceiling point. And it's that point. We're talking about honour here. And it's the baptism honours my faith. It actually honours what I've done and what Jesus says. The way to God through Jesus Christ. Baptism is a non-negotiable. There there are others, but I thought of those those three points to us. So there's worship. Another part of worship is giving. And... um, like I said earlier, that point of giving where we raise that seed fund, we'll keep mentioning it, we'll keep doing it because God has honored it. I believe that, that to be true. Giving. But there's one thing that Jesus said to that woman, and that is out of her poverty, she gave. We're going through a period an economical downtime. Uh, When some people would say, Well, when I add up the figures, there's nothing I can give. Now, I would accept that. And no one, there are no rules here, right? There are no rules in Scripture that we should give and do that. But it's a way of honoring what God is doing. That we did in the seed fund. And it's a way of honoring God in our lives. What we give and how we give. And Jesus pointed out that out of her poverty, she gave. Not out of her abundance, as what the other people were doing. They were giving out of their abundance. And because Jesus pointed this woman out, it's like saying, she's honoured me, she's honoured God, I will honour her. And so she honoured him in what she gave. She said, well, I can't afford it, but. And sometimes Christians say, well, I can't afford it, but I will give. I'll give something. And just as a quick mathematical exercise, I sort of saw our beacon budget for the year and divide it by 50. I don't know how can't remember how many members we got as this church. So I divide it by 50. And it works out that each of us costs 17 pounds fifty, roughly 17 pounds fifty a week. Now, there's no rules here. But it's a bit like it's a bit like the person who turns in a sickie But're not really sick. It's if we're not pulling our weight in the church, we're dishonouring our brothers and sisters. she gave out of her poverty. And I've worked out so many things I could give up if I wanted to give a bit more, if I wanted to do a bit more. On the account of giving, there was a wonderful principle. And I think God's pressing buttons on this watching and waiting. And he says, you've given, but don't give up. There's more to give. And that's not me pressing the screw or turning the screw. It's if we're a member, then we're having the benefit of a church and it costs you £17.50. No, it's not a rule, don't worry. it. But think about it. Just think about it. You add that with figures and somewhere it doesn't even make sense. But God blesses us in every way. But this wonderful principle that the Jewish nation had in their true faith and following God was that you used to give the first fruits of their increase. So to bring it up to date, if you get a wage increase, a way of honouring God is to give the first increase to God. So I'm turning the screw a bit. But just think about it. There's no rules here. But if we want to honour God, giving the first fruits back to God. For the Jewish people, it was the, the first harvest. What they used to reap, the fruits they used to pick, the things that they used to do were a way of honouring God. And so if we want to honour God, there are no rules here, brothers and sisters. But honouring God in our Beacon community will strengthen us beyond all belief in the things that we do and the things that we say. I just want to tell you a little story. Many of you have heard it before. It's going to be the last thing on, in my message this morning. It's about a guy called Eric Little. He was uh, uh, an Olympian in 1924. He was due to run in the 100 meters Olympics. And they said that the, the, the trials or process they go through was on a Sunday. Well, he said, I won't be doing that because Sunday is special to me. Now, there's no theological reason why we shouldn't do things on a Sunday. But in scriptures, the Sunday or the first day of the week has become quite important. In the first place, the Christians honoured it because Jesus was raised from dead on the first day of the week. They'd say, this is an amazing this is a special day. If Jesus was raised from the dead on the first day of the week, we'll honour this. And we're not always sure how they honoured it completely, but they used to meet as a church on the first day of the week to honour that. So it's a place of honour. And Jesus is talking here about giving back to God things we honour. And this Eric little, he wouldn't, he wouldn't run in a race. And then, um, later on, he was given uh, the opportunity to run in a different race, the 400-metre race, which wasn't on the Sunday. And he won the 400-metre race and got the gold prize. And... Um, One of the coaches had handed him a slip of paper. He said, this comes from the old book, he said, meaning the Bible. And he says, them that honour me, I will honour them. It's a verse I can't forget because my mum and dad always had it hanging up somewhere in the house, wherever it was. Um, And so it always keeps coming back to me. Them that honour me, I will honour them. So the last thing I want to say is about presence. We've had giving, we've had worship, we're going to see it in presence. Your presence here on a Sunday morning with your brothers and sisters is the highest honour you can accord your brothers and sisters. Now Eric Little wouldn't do that on a Sunday because to him Sunday was special. Sunday was special. Now theologically I'm not Necessarily saying that Sunday is any of that special. But if I could say, if you choose to go on a race on Sunday morning or you choose to meet up with your friends Sunday morning, when your brothers and sisters are meeting together worshipping God, you're dishonouring your brothers and sisters. It's not a rule, but you are dishonouring your brothers and sisters when, like a lady we had back when we were at Beacon, missed you last Sunday. Oh, I was watching the cup final. I think something was said to encourage the lady and she never came anymore. But it's a question. It's not about rules. It's about honor. We are the greatest show on earth, the church. The greatest show on earth. And if you can find something better to do on a Sunday morning, you do it when your brothers and sisters are meeting together, having fellowship and communion together to honour their Jesus, who gave his life for them, to honour him in all we do. Them that honour me, I will honour. Now, we don't do the things to get what we want from God. We can't see Eric Little's story like that. He did it because in sincerity he felt in his heart He wanted to honour God. And it's not about rules. It's about honour. Giving back to God. Father, we thank you so much that Jesus, in a sense, honoured all of us, his creation, in giving his life for us. Help us to return our love for you and honour you in all that we do in Jesus' name.